0: Welcome to Faith Baptist Church Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. It's really good to be together. Eight hours of thunder and lightning, and flooded basements, and washed out roads, and power outage, and it just makes it all the more better to be together, doesn't it? To be able to be together. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. Uh, Today is Family Camp Sunday. It's the 20th year. And the theme is family reunion, and we get that from Psalm chapter 133, if you want to turn there. That's where we're going to be today in that chapter. And it's got a grand total of three verses. So... Here's my big thought. Uh, This is Family Camp Sunday. We're launching a whole week of programming for the whole family, ages zero to 99, just like on the Lego box. And we want you to come out, we want you to take part of it. So we're not going to expend all of our time and energy and emphasis on the Sunday morning service because we want you to be able to go home, get a bite to eat, have a quick nap, get all your camping gear, And get back here, because softball starts at 4 o'clock and the old people are going to take on the young people and the young people are going to win and the age limit is 35 so that I can be with the young people. (laughs) Then we got a barbecue (laughs) and we got all kinds of fun things all week long and I know you don't remember all the things that Alex pointed out so go check out the board in the lobby and get the handout card so that you know what's going on through the course of this week. So, we're going to be somewhat short-winded today, okay? And that might be an empty promise, so don't get too excited. <laughs> Psalm 133, are you there? Yeah, okay, one person's there, great. I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard Version, that's what we're going to have up on screen, I would encourage you to participate if you brought your copy of the scriptures. Psalm 133, a song of ascent, of David, behold... As we take some time to pray today, of course, we want to be mindful of all the folks who are having a tough time with all the rain that fell. Uh, Flooded basements, you've seen pictures of washed out roads, you've seen pictures of semi-trucks where the water is right up to the the sun visor in the cab. Um, You've seen places in Bedford where the rainwater was so high it was up to the back of the backstop at the baseball field across from the Sunnyside Mall. We need to be praying for those people. We need to be praying for the four people who are missing. I believe it's in West Hance County uh, that they would be found and that they would be okay and live and well. So we want to pray that direction. We want to pray God's will. We want to pray for protection and safety. We want to thank God for the sun that's shining outside right now. Uh, We also want to be mindful of uh, Sharon Sears and her family. Sonny went home to be with the Lord on Thursday afternoon of this past week. So we wanna pray for them and for their family. Um, If you know Sharon well, this is a great time to support, to encourage, to check in. If you don't know her well, you can still help out by praying for the family. And Carter and Roberta Blackwood are here today, right back center, you can't miss them. Uh, If you would like to make a meal for Sharon, for the family, um, Roberta is willing to do the communication work and the connection work on that so you can talk to her after the service, okay? Would you join me as we pray for these situations? Father God, we thank you that when the oceans rise, we don't have to be afraid because we know that you love us We claim that promise in Romans 8, 28, that we know, we know, that you work in all things. You work all these things together for your good and for our good. And we praise you in the midst of the storm, even though we don't know how all the details are going to work out or how you're going to bring glory to your name. But we know that there will be good come from this. There already has. We know that in the midst of the floodwaters, people's hearts have been turned towards you. God, we pray for those affected. We pray for safety, for the emergency response teams. We pray for those four individuals, maybe others that aren't accounted for. Pray that they would be found. God, we pray for uh, for our government and for All the uh, public works and safety crews and power teams, people are gonna be working on roadways and bridges and railroad tracks, and it just kinda seems like another setback. God, I pray that uh, you would work in all this, Father. God, we think of Sharon, we think of her family. Uh, We pray for them, for comfort, encouragement, for the peace that passes all understanding. Would you allow them to uh, let their anxieties and their worries and cares be known to you, that they would place them at your feet? God, show us how we can respond, how we can help the hurting, how we can weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. God, thank you so much for who you are and that nothing happens outside of your sight or your control or your ultimate plan. We thank you, God. We rest and rely on your promises today. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was first corresponding with the family camp team, the planning team, um, we got the lines crossed a little bit, and I thought the theme verse was Psalm 132 and verse 1 rather than Psalm 133 and verse one. And so I put it, <laughs> Evelyn, you know where this is going, I, I put it in my planning document and on the, uh, the document we use for Sunday services with the team and I put it in the preaching schedule and then Steve pointed out, that's kind of a weird verse for a family camp theme, isn't it? So here's what Psalm 132 in verse 1 says, remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured... Happy family camp, 20th anniversary. (laughs) Hard times. I'm talking ants in your tent because you ate candy with your son and left the wrappers on the floor. I'm talking the windstorm that came up last year and all the tents blew across the yard. You remember that? You remember that year when we got three months of rain the day before family camp started? Oh, wait, that's this year, isn't it? (laughs) All the hardships. Uh, Probably wouldn't make a very good family camp theme. Probably wouldn't work. Uh, But we do spend too much time dwelling on the tough stuff, the hard stuff, don't we? The bad stuff, the negative stuff. Isn't it easy to dwell on that, to focus on that, to complain, to argue, to whine? But let's consider some of God's blessings in our life. How about we do that? King David wrote this psalm by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, knowing that people would need a little reset in their mind as they were on their way to worship and to sacrifice in the tabernacle. Did you know that? This is a psalm of ascent. And this would be a song, potentially that was sung either by the priests or the people as they traveled to the city of Jerusalem or to Mount Zion as they were getting ready to worship, to sacrifice in the temple, in the tabernacle. This is one of 15 psalms of ascent in the book of Psalms. Because people really haven't changed that much in 3,000 years. Do you know that? Like, does this sound familiar? you're getting ready for the Sunday morning service because you don't want to be late for church again because we always miss the announcement time in the first song and we have to do that walk of shame in the back and everybody turns around, oh yeah, there's the Fillmore showing up, you know. (laughs) Doesn't he know he's got to preach this morning? And dad's sitting in the driveway in the car honking the horn out the window, we're going to be late and mom is quickly shoving the comb through Susie's hair and Susie's crying because it hurts mom. And then Susie and Johnny are in the back seat arguing and fighting and pestering one another. Mom and dad are in the front seat arguing and fighting and pestering one another. No, they're, they're talking to each other about their lunch plans after the service. And they get halfway to church building for the church service with the church family maybe we should put the Christian radio station on or maybe a Christian song, maybe a song of worship just to kind of kind of change the mood, you know? Maybe get ready for the church service. Does that sound familiar at all? No, you've never had a Sunday morning like that ever, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds familiar. This is the song David wrote for that very purpose to help the people get into the right frame of mind, body, soul, and spirit as they're traveling up to worship in the city of Jerusalem. And the theme of this particular song of ascents, of the 15 psalms that are songs of ascents, the theme of this one is brothers dwelling together in unity. Brothers and sisters, the family bond dwelling together in unity. When people get along, when family gets along, it's a beautiful thing. That's the theme. That's a good theme for family camp, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could think about what drives us nuts about the person who's sitting next to us. We could think about the way that they chew potato chips, or the way that they tap their brush on the sink as they're getting ready for bed at night. Or we could choose to think about what we love about that individual, what brought us to them in the first place, what we appreciate about the people around us. One of those things sounds a lot more like the heart of God than the other, doesn't it? Maybe it's something we should practice. Psalm 133 and verse one. Here's the actual theme verse for family camp. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in. In unity. Behold. What a great way to start a new chapter, isn't it? Do you know that like any media you consume is asking you to behold something? Like when, when you scroll through your Google News feed, every one of those images and big bold titles and the first little sentence with the dot, dot, dot at the end is designed to get you to behold something. Stop, look, listen, think about this, focus on this, wonder about this. Maybe you want to read this further. All of it is to get you to behold something. And David is saying, why don't you take a moment and behold this? Think about this. Set your attention and your focus on this. David starts with, I want you to spend some time thinking, pondering, imagining, meditating, considering, gazing upon something that's good, something that's pleasant. How much do we put in front of our eyes and our minds and our thoughts these days that aren't necessarily good or pleasant? How, how much content do we consume in the course of a week that is not helpful or positive in any way, and then we wonder why we're anxious or frustrated or our attitude is the way that it is. David says, let's take some time and think about something that's good and something that's pleasant. How good is it when people come together? I think of that Wren Collective song, you know it? It feels good when we're together, no divide, living life as one. It's a good song. David says it's good and pleasant. So good. Good means it's agreeable to the senses. Have you ever had something that's not agreeable to the senses? Like take a big drink of sour milk you didn't know was sour. And it's just like, it's lukewarm. I want to spew you out of my mouth. You know that Bible verse? It's like, it looks good. It sounds good. It feels good. It it produces happiness. It's excellent. It's valuable. It's why community is one of our core values as Faith Baptist Church. It's it's good when we're together. God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helpmeet fit for him. And he brought woman to the man. And so the two shall be one. It's not good for people to be alone. It's good to be together. And then pleasant. It means lovely, delightful. It's like a sweet sound. It's like sweet music. It's like harmony when the notes work together and they just click. Sweet singing. It's the same word that's used of David and Jonathan's friendship. Their hearts were knit together. 2 Samuel verse, chapter 1 and verse 23. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, pleasant, lovely is the term pleasant, in life and in death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. talking about their friendship, their hearts being knit together. Unity is so important. Coming together for the mission of Jesus is what the church needs to be all about. If we're not united in the cross of Christ, there's no other grounds on which to build our unity. It's going to be false, it's going to be hollow, and it's going to break down and it's not going to last. So our unity, our togetherness, our connectedness, our community needs to be built in the good news that you and I are sinners. We need a savior and Jesus is that savior because he lived a sinless life. He's the son of God. He died on the cross to pay for our sins so that by placing our faith and trust in him, we can have a relationship with God the father. That's what our unity needs to be based in, the cross of Jesus Christ. No other ground will stand I've used this illustration from Carrie Newhoff before, and I think it's a good one. You're invited out by another couple to their home for supper, and from the moment you get out of the car and you're greeted at the door until the moment you get back in your car and head home, they just fight with each other the whole time. Like the husband is apologizing that the house is so untidy because she didn't clean it up. And then he's complaining about the roast because it's overcooked and yeah, she doesn't cook it like her mother does. or I don't know. And then she's complaining that he's always at work and he's never home and he hasn't fixed the sink in two years. So how am I supposed to tidy things up around here? Are you going to go back there next week for another meal? How was the food? (laughs) Who cares how the food was? Because it was a pretty cringy environment, wasn't it? Can you feel the tension in that? So let's say we invite somebody to our church service and they walk in and all they experience the whole time is Christians arguing and bickering and complaining and whining and pessimistic. And the only thing they know about churches and Christians is the one who works with them, who on the lunch break just complains and whines about all the other employees and all they see when they search Baptist Church is Westboro Baptist Church, who's picketing at the soldier's funeral and has a website about how much God hates homosexuals. What are they gonna think about the gospel message that the church preaches? Well, they didn't even get to taste it because the way that Christians treat other Christians in the world around them is so cringy. Why would you ever get to enjoy the meal of the gospel? Would they wanna come back next week to a Sunday service? See, disunity in the church is disgusting. It turns people off before they ever get to experience the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So unity in the cross of Christ needs to be what we're all about. It needs to be. This is the problem of sin as outlined in the Bible. We experience sin in every corner of our society and in the church. We were created to be together. We were created to be in relationship with one another. But sin divides. Sin separates. As we've talked about in previous weeks, it's so easy to focus on what's dividing us rather than what we have in common. Remember Steve's sermon like three weeks ago? I thank God that I'm not like this tax collector. Little does he know, he's just like that tax collector. He has the same sin issue that needs to be dealt with. Needs to approach God in humility and ask for forgiveness and grace. You've been watching the news, I'm sure, with all the flooding and the rain and the storm, and you've seen those images around Halifax area. Have you seen the roads that are just like totally washed out? And it's just like this layer of pavement, like this thin layer of ice, and then all the soil and gravel underneath has just been totally eroded. you touch the pavement, it just crumbles. I was listening to the radio on the drive-in this morning and and, um, she was the warden, I believe, of East Hans. And she's talking about all the people in her community. And she's talking about a dairy farmer in East Hans whose only road access has been totally washed out. And they're talking about like, how do they do milk delivery? How do they get anything in and out? That's the only way in and out. And now it's been washed away. That's what sin does to our relationship with God and with others. Sin just totally erodes the road between us and God. You've seen that image. Maybe you've seen it on a track. Maybe you've seen it on the big screen of like this big divide, this big chasm. And that's the chasm of sin. And you're on one side, God is on the other. And then it has the symbol of the cross of Jesus as the bridge, the only way, the only truth, the only life, John fourteen six, to get to God the Father is through Jesus Christ. Because sin is the divide. Sin is the chasm. Our access to God the Father, our relationship with God the Father has been divided because of sin. Because that's the devil's tactic. He wants to twist the truth and shove a little wedge of divide in there to get you separated from others and ultimately from God. Psalm 133 and verse 2. It, this main theme, unity, is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. There's a lot of things we could say about oil. We could talk about the fragrance of oil. We could talk about how oil is a good lubricant for your engine. And if when you have your first dirt bike in grade 11, you never check the oil all year long, it's not going to go well and you'll have to sell it because uh, you destroyed the engine, your first dirt bike. Make sure you check your oil. Oil's a good lubricant, right? It reduces friction. It helps all the parts work together in symmetry so it doesn't heat up. Catch fire and explode, which is probably not what you want your engine to do. But we're talking about sacred oil. We're talking about holy oil. Exodus chapter 30 and verse 22. Here's here's some background on the oil that David is talking about. Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take also for yourself the finest of spices. Here's how they made this oil. Flowing myrrh, 500 shekels. Fragrant cinnamon, half as much. Two hundred and fifty and of fragrant cane, two hundred and fifty and of casia, five hundred, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and of olive oil, a hin. You shall make of these a holy anointing oil, a perfume mixture, the work of a perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. And here's what you do with it. With it, you shall anoint the tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the table, all its utensils, the lampstand, its utensils, the altar of incense the altar of burnt offering and all of its utensils and the laver and its stand, you shall also consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them shall be holy. And then this verse, you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may be minister as priests to me. So the oil is a symbol of consecration, ordination, it's setting someone or something apart unto holiness. It's like the sanctification process. It's a special position, a special function. Aaron had a special role. He was the first of the Le- Levitical priesthood who ministered in the tabernacle and offered sacrifices and prayers. The priest was the temporary mediator between God and man. Jesus is the ultimate mediator between God and man. Aaron as the high priest is like a foreshadowing of Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us, our mediator between God and man. The picture of the ordination service of Aaron being anointed with oil is its really a picture of God's covenant relationship with his people. Aaron would sacrifice those animals as a picture of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who would be slain for sin whose blood didn't just cover the sin, but it cleansed the sin and made it white as snow. Aaron would sacrifice those animals and he would do all the duties in the tabernacle as a picture of Jesus as our great high priest. You see, the first thing David says is, how great is it when people dwell together in unity? How great is it when families can get along? Isn't it a beautiful thing? And then he says in verse 2, how much better is it when God and man can be in a relationship? It's great when we can be together. How great is it if I told you that you can be together with God the Almighty, the creator of the universe, that humanity and divinity can come together and unite through the blood of Jesus Christ, as pictured by Aaron and his sacrifices, that anointing oil that ran down from Aaron's head to his beard, to his collar. Uh, You can mark down Exodus 28 if you want to read it later on. I'm not going to go through it all. But according to Exodus 28, Aaron as the high priest, he would wear a stone on each shoulder of his ephod, this linen cloak that he would wear. And each stone had six names, six tribes. So together they made the 12 tribes of Israel. And then he had this breastplate of judgment that had 12 stones marked with the 12 tribes of Israel. So when that anointing oil went on Aaron's head and to his beard and to his collar, it would also go on these stones and on this breastplate. And it's a picture of the presence of God in that anointing oil flowing down through the priest who was the mediator in the old covenant, now it's Jesus Christ, to all of God's people. Relationship with God is now accessible to all people through Jesus Christ. Isn't that a beautiful thing? You know, it's great when we can be together and have some things in common and get along with one another. But really what it's all about is the fact that we can have unity with God the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I love this picture, like the direction, like the action in this verse. You just picture the oil, which is kind of this funny image that we have today, running down through his hair, through his beard, over his ephod. And you just picture it moving down. Isn't that what God did for us? God sent his son down to earth. Jesus did not count equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied of himself, taking on the form of a servant. He lowered himself. He became human to be with us. And then he humbled himself even to the point of death. Jesus came all the way down for you and me. He stooped low enough to take your sin to the grave. Isn't it beautiful that God made the first move? That he accomplished this for us. That Emmanuel, God with us, heaven came to earth to save us. Because in any of our efforts, we can't force holiness up to him. He's got to lower holiness down to us in the form of his son. And Jesus, he who knew no sin, became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the greatest family reunion. It's to be reunited with our Creator through the blood of His Son. That's how much God loves you. He would come all this way for you. How good and pleasant it is that Jesus' blood flowed down to sinners like you and me so that we, by faith, could be united to a holy God. Together. The prodigal returned home and the father runs to embrace him on the road. Then look at verse 3, the end of the chapter. Psalm 133. Unity. It is like the dew of Hermon, Mount Hermon, the highest mountain range in Israel, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Dew from the mountain. How refreshing is mountain dew! <laughs> mount Zion was the Temple Mount. It's the hill the people climbed in Jerusalem to get to the temple. This is the geographic location people would be seeing as they walked to the temple. And I love how David uses something in this song that the people could literally see right before them as they traveled to the temple for morning prayer and for morning sacrifices, is the dew on the ground of the mountain, Mount Zion. Dew is consistent. It's daily refreshment. It's a picture of this reminder from David of unity with God and with his people. Daily dew is like daily bread. It's like the manna that the people found each morning as they traveled through the wilderness. The bread that God provided, the people called it, what is it? It's like how God's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Just like the dew each morning, every day is a new opportunity to remember what God has done for you, to be refreshed by the reminder, the daily reminder of God's blessings in your life. Blessing. Life forevermore. The best part of this discussion on unity is that it never has to end. There's no term. There's no buyout date. There's no end of lease contract. It's never ending. It's life forever. Family camp's going to be done on Friday when everybody's invited to help clean up, pack up their tents, head home, pick up some garbage if you see it, and then it's going to be done on Friday. Life forevermore has no end. The reunion that we get to have with God the Father through Jesus Christ, together as God's people, bought and washed by the blood of Jesus, never has to end. There's no ending in sight. We're gonna show a highlight video next week, I'm sure, of all the things that we did at family camp, and we're gonna clap, and we're gonna share some new stories that we have because of all that we get to enjoy and the memories that we get to make this week. The fact is the promise of life with God has no end. It's forevermore. It's everlasting. The message of unity because of the blood of Jesus is something that never has to end, and, and as well, it shouldn't. Romans 6:23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know that term death? is the Greek term thanatos. Figuratively, it's separation from the life of God. Spiritual death, separation from God for all eternity. So if the penalty for death is eternal, then the gift and grace that God gives should also be eternal, should it not? Punishment from sin is eternal Death separated from God in a literal place called hell. The gift must be eternal life united with God through Jesus in a literal place called heaven. David started by talking about unity between people, brothers and sisters in Christ. He talked about the unity we can have with God through Jesus, who's our ultimate mediator, our great high priest. And then the final thought is forever. This togetherness will last forever through Jesus. The best part of family camp is, is not the softball game that's happening today at four. Be there, bring your ball, your glove. It's not the barbecue that's happening after the game. It's not the camping. It's not the campfire, if we're able to have one. It's not the phone party. It's not the water games. It's not the talent show. It's the fact that we get to spend time together as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what family camp's all about. And if you've got a problem with that, you should probably get used to it because we're going to be spending all of eternity together. <laughs> so we should probably start now because eternity is a gift that God gives now. Eternity isn't something that happens in the future. Eternity is no beginning, no end. So we're living eternity right here, right now. And the gift of God is eternal life that we get to experience right here, right now with God's people right here, right now. So we should get practicing it. You want to know what the best part of heaven is? It's also, simultaneously, it's also the worst part of hell. The best part of heaven is that we get to be together with God the best part of heaven is that we get to be in God's presence see here, here's here's a, a little I was going to call it trivia but it's pretty important here's a fact about heaven there is no sun there there's no sun moon or stars did you know this because Jesus is the light the light emanates from Jesus So we get to be in eternity with God. His son Jesus Christ is going to be reigning on the throne as king of kings and lord of lords as we sang. And we are going to get to bask in the glow of his radiance for all of eternity. We're going to get to be with God. That is heaven. And the beautiful reality of all of this is that heaven came to earth. Emmanuel, God with us we get to have the Holy Spirit dwell within us through the blood of Jesus Christ, by faith, through grace alone, so that no matter where we go, we are in the presence of God. The best part of heaven is the fact that we could be in the presence of God. And someday, as we talked about, we're, we're going to say goodbye to sorrow. There's going to be no more tears, no more sickness, no more death no more crying and we're going to get to fully experience and embrace the reality that we get to be with God for all of eternity. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? God, I wanna thank you for my church family today. Thank you for the privilege it is to be able to be together. And not just to be physically or digitally in the same space and time, sharing the same thought, reading the same scripture, but to spiritually be together, united, because of what your son Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. And thank you that this reality is something that's going to endure for all of eternity because it's built in your faithfulness, your promises, in the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. So we thank you so much that the reality of the gospel is we can have life forevermore through the death of Jesus Christ. We can be in the presence of God for all of eternity, starting now. God, thank you for this week of family camp. Thank you for this theme of family reunion. Thank you that we get to be reunited with you after we were separated because of our sin. And like the prodigal's father, you ran down the road to meet us. Just like that oil ran down the head and the beard. Just like you sent your son down from heaven above. To die a sinner's death on a cross and to be buried in a tomb. And to leave our sin there. God, if there are any here this morning who have not made that personal decision to trust you as their Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of their sins, for new life, for eternal hope, to be united with their Creator and their Heavenly Father, to have a friend who sticks closer than a brother and a spirit who will lead them and guide them and help illuminate God's truth to them, if they have not made that personal decision, if that's you today and you're listening, whether you're here in the room or you're participating online, then God, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would convict these hearts. Give them the courage, give them the faith to make that decision for you. That they would claim the victory only found in Christ Jesus over their own sin and their own bondage and their own death. And thank you that the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you for this truth, God.